live from a Joe Manchin sized apocalypse. This <laughs> is state of the game. I am the Danny DeVito of the blogosphere. Uh, Dano uh, here, here to host this as, as a career crooks celebration um, with my co-host. People don't know this, but my co-host is the one who talked Rudolph down after Rudolph came back from saving Christmas. It was going to be like, like uh, Robert De Niro, the Untouchables, going to take all of them out. Wow. Hey, Diggy said, let it go. Let it go. Past is the past. Move on. You know, and that wow. really saved the operation. So that's the kind of person K Diggy is. Um, Merry Christmas. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> your story, look it up. Hey, uh, so our guest, we are talking to <clears throat> Coach. Coach. The, the coach. We're talking to <laughs> of the Career Crooks imprint here. Uh, we, this is. He's going to be the primary trade piece to get Dame Lillard. They're going to throw. I'm, I'm willing to do this for my city. <laughs> Put me in the package. Three first round picks. Let's make it happen, please. <laughs> my God. Come on. Uh, get your rib cage right. The, uh, <laughs> but yes, th- thank you for being on here. This is a, an incredibly interesting mm. album. And you've had an incredibly interesting year. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah. But I think. I haven't heard anybody like really who sees your year the way I see it, to be okay. honest. Um, because, you know, and, and correct me, I don't know if you saw the, the albums of the year first part there. The- I, I, I finished the second one today. So I watched both. You guys did phenomenal nice. work. Shasta Thank Gang. Um, yeah, I was, I was getting like really schooled on people I know very well with points of view I'd never heard. And then albums i never heard before i was like oh this is going to be the over the holidays chill out mission is to play all the stuff that you guys were selling me on so great work boys but yeah the, the vegas vic section i went in i started broaching the topic which is the wistful nature of your lyricism this year i like that wistful because i had like, to look it up when you said it i'm like i've used it but i don't even know what it means but it <laughs> makes me sound real poetic you know what i mean but it was like a wistful guy. There's so much of like, but yeah, and, and there's some that are like I remember when they were you guys were talking about uh the 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 you got mail song, right? Mm-hmm. Uh and it was definitely like this is the frustration song where he's frustrated about the state of hip hop or like frustrated about having to do all this. And I was like, it kind of feels like there's a longing, like there's like a I kind of you're. I used to be thinking it was like this, and mm. that's dead. Right. And like the eulogy for that, you know, um, mm-hmm. if it, it feels like there's just a lot of, yeah, a lot of wistful stuff going on. Would you would you agree or disagree? Um. Well, yeah. I I think uh, what's interesting when I do these career crooks records is how people like yourself and uh, on the first Career Crooks album. Good luck with that. Uh, Shout out to my man, Sam Diamond from Tiny Mixtapes and Long Island Records. He did a review of that record and like defined it and explained it in a way I didn't know what was happening. So he he realized that first album we did was all about identity. 
And then once he said that, I was like, oh, because that album was made under really bizarre outlier circumstances. Um, But so when he said that, I was like, huh, it gave me clarity. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times you're just making stuff. You're just you're just doing it. You're not. And like you guys talked about that with gang. I think Diggy, you asked, like, how do people stay so prolific? Mm -hmm. And I think gang said something like people were there's a certain cut of people that are just cranking it out all the time and moving and working on a lot of stuff and have a lot of songs and other people are kind of doing it and like stepping back and soaking it in. And so I've done all that, all those processes. And um, what's cool is when you're just cranking it, you don't know usually what you're going through or what's happening. You're just like, Oh, this just happened. I thought of this. I'm doing a song today. It goes in there. Oh, someone said this to me five minutes ago. I'm doing a bar. That would be cool. Boom. Like you're just pulling and plucking things. So I think when you said that about um, this record and those songs, it was just like things I just thought were funny when I was driving, listening to beats and putting them in there. And then afterwards, when it's all done, you know, now you have like 14 thoughts, 14 songs with all these pieces in it. And so then it's like, okay, I, I process it. It's out. I don't know what the hell's going on. And then people that are really smart, like you guys. And like I said, Sam Diamond, Jeff Weiss years ago did that for me as well with um, this one album I did called Shiloh Twilight. It's helpful for me to hear how people process things and then say it out loud. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking but not verbalizing subconscious a lot of so it sounds like a lot of the creation is like subconscious like yeah yeah it's like there's like i said there's deliberate things i'll hear and hold on to i'm like oh i'm gonna use that for something like i have my little note notepad app on my phone Mm -hmm. um or like i'll you know you guys know me with the hooks like I'll, i'll hear a song i used to love or no one's used and i'll pull it but uh beyond that like there's a lot of space in between those tent poles to fill it in and then later on, when everything's out, you know, have people listen intently like you guys and just be like, oh, maybe it's about this. Maybe it's about that. Maybe here's what I took from it. And I'm like, hmm, sometimes I'm like, wow, you're totally wrong. But that's like really dope. You thought of that. <laughs> Other times I'll be like, that's spot on. And I didn't even know that until you said it. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's awesome. No, and it's we I think the one of the things to talk about is like the utter is speed just the, the utter difference in speed from good luck with that mm-hmm. to never at peace right completely different speeds good mm-hmm. luck with that it's like playing strange automobile steve martin you know yeah it, it, yeah dj manipulator it's it's these like um it's a it's honestly i feel like the identity thing makes sense because that album feels connected to run dmc and kind of mm old school like least important most important you know you can rock a rock a crowd that's rock many crowds of that yep so it 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 is it feels like a triumphant kind of you know rap used to be about us together rocking out you know um but this is a totally different speed and I, i know you've talked about how like small pro kicked it down the road a little bit said trust me i'm working it um by the time you got it from from small pro what was the thought process on you on the difference speed on the oh man that's a good question dude um when we started the record i was like well this is it this is gonna be 
what we do every year. We're going to make this album every year. And I remember when we were making the first one, when the first one was finished, I was pitching it to labels. And I, I, I interviewed Billy Dans from MOP. Mm-hmm. And he had a label called like, it's called like We Got Mad Hits. Or it's like a it's like a phrase, but it's the name of the label. It shouts the dance. Um, so after we did the interview, I was talking to him about his label, whatever. And he was like, yo, I'll, I'll check your record out. If it's fire, we'll put it out. I was like, OK. So I sent him the Career Crooks first album. And, you know, nothing happened, which is fine. But uh, <laughs> um, with this one, it was like we didn't know what we were going to do, how we we're going to put it out, what was going on. And at the time i was like we'll make this every year okay now this is why i remember i said billy dance i said to billy dance that interview i was like yo the same way there's bobby bonilla day where every year bobby bonilla gets a million dollars for the past like 25 years from the mets i said there should be an mop dj premiere day where every year we know on the calendar we're getting an mop dj premiere album what's better marketing than that knowing every year we get that on that day and he was like, oh, that's a good idea. So then, so then when me and Small Pro did the first album, I was like, we should do this every like every year, no matter what, we stop yeah. what we're doing and we make an album together. So that was the plan. So we started it in you know 2018-ish. And I think I think all mine, all the writing and recording was done like 2019. So in between that time, we just had so many other things happening. He was busy, I was busy. So when we got down to it, and he I basically was just like, okay. I trust you and go for it. You arrange it, you mix it, you do everything. You know what I mean? Like I'm out (laughs) putting this to you. Now you're the code. You're the GM. You're not even a coach. You're the GM. This is a three-year process. You got to tell me where, where, who's, who's playing center. What are our draft picks? Like what's going on? So that was all on him. So when it, when it came together, Going back to that song, You Got Mail, like I was like, why is this on the album? Like this was, wasn't even like a real song to me. This was like funny to make. Like I just thought it was some funny shit. And uh, he was like, no, nah, that, that's going on there. I was like, okay. And then, <laughs> and then there was a couple other things we did. And uh, he made a couple executive decisions like Spiral Book. He decided it should just be me, Castro, and Prem. I think we wanted to Lucid on that song. And uh, that was the plan was to get a Lucid. And then he was like, you know what? I don't want to wait for Lucid. I love him, but I think it should just be us. I think it should be woo shit. Like Prem and Castro should pop up twice the same way manipulate. Like he made a lot of those choices on this record where I was like, cool, like no doubt. You know, I'll give you a couple notes here and there, but and then I was sending it to people like Castro to get their feedback and whatever. And some of the concerns I had, and they were like, it sounds great. Like, what are you worried about? I'm like, I don't know, you know, this change up. And they were like, nope. It's done, bro. Yeah. It's done. And I'm like, all right, I trust you guys too. You know, if it wasn't, if it was bad or this isn't something wasn't working, they would tell me. So for me, it was like relying on the scouts, <laughs> the GM, whatever, the development yeah. team, the trainers, let them do it. That's fascinating, man. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. What, what, what were your thoughts on the production for Never at Peace? And how did you feel? Oh, about man. It? I mean, like, Small small Professor is probably, I mean, he this album, like, he's one of my favorite producers right now. Oh. Um, I mean, this guy, I, I mean, he, he's got a gift. So to hear what you, you know, I, I'm glad that you, you know, you had that humility and the awareness. Like, when you have a guy that as talented as Small Professor, Right. 
you know, you got to trust in him, trust in the vision and just let him do his thing and get out of the way. And Seriously. I think you both, everyone really delivered on this project. Thanks, man. Yeah, he's and shouts to you because you were like, what gang? You were like, what's his name? Little brother, large yeah. professor. <laughs> <laughs> and I, my favorite part is like little brother is a part of his email address. So that's funny. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah like like my, my biggest goal with this record was honestly like when Vegas Vic dropped in the summer, I'm like, all right, you know, I'm a solo artist. It's me, I, me and Barry Disco Vietnam shouts to him and Chong. Like it's my record, but they're big parts of it. But this album, I was like, I've already talked, did a zillion rounds of press for that album. I have my own podcast. You know, who wants to hear me talk more about my records? So for me, I was like, Small Pro really needs to be the star of this album because the first album was like me giving him acapellas and then making a couple new songs. And then we did a lot of shows and then I handpicked a lot of stuff and we hung out. This one, I was like, you're in charge. You arrange it. You put in interludes. You do beats like whatever you want to. It's kind of like how like Outcast used to be, you know, like Southern Playlist. It's like a big boy album. AT Aliens is like a three stacks album. The first album is my album. This one's mm-hmm. his. You know what I mean? So I think it, and, and he learned too coming off of us doing shows. He got to see like that immediate response from people. What was hitting and what he had that would make people react in person because he's not a DJ. So he had done, you know, like beat showcases and shit, but not with like a rapper engaging with people and, you know, stand at the merch table with me, you know, make, you know, selling shit and connecting. So he was like getting amped off that, like, oh, okay, now I know for the next one, like he was getting so energized off shows to be like, okay, now I know what to do. And then my only edict to him was I was like, yo, like on my end, I just want to study like what are really cool follow up albums that aren't, you know, like. The ones everyone goes to, like, you know, the infamous, that's a second album, you know? So I was like, for me, it was like Jay-Z volume one and then Pete Rock and CL main ingredient. I'm like those, that's not fast rap on those albums. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's more like really confident, but still rhyming wise, like really special, but it's specific to those records. Like Jay doesn't rap like volume one anywhere else, except volume one (laughs) CL smooth, like, no one's ever rapped like CL Smooth ever in the world. So to me, I was like, I wanted to hit those spots. And then he loves main ingredient. Like and me, him and John Morrison, like the biggest main ingredient fan. So um, when I told him main ingredient, he was like, oh, yep. Okay. It's going to have like a lot of interludes and textures on his end. So we were like, all right. So that was kind of like the initial ideas. And we started working. Like those are the only guiding lights we had. Yeah. This is, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I, I, this is where I get to the confession point. Small Pro sent me this album ahead of time. Um, I saved it in my phone as the Philly ingredient. Um, <laughs> the Philly ingredient. So, but I will confess, there is no album that I got this year ahead of time that I was more worried about than this album. <laughs> I was so worried about Never at Peace. Because, and I told Small Pro that I said, this is a salute to all the beautiful albums that didn't get enough love at the time. Mm. Like, you talk about main ingredient, but main ingredient when we were growing up was not the one. No. Becca and the Soul Brother was the one. 
when I interviewed Pete Rock, he said Mecca. And I was like, Pete, respectfully, it's the main ingredient, bro. <laughs> I respect you so much and I love you, but you're wrong. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> but he was so the other thing, so but in the same thing, honestly, with Hell on Earth. When I we're well that Hell on Earth, I was hell on always Earth. a Hell on Forever. Earth. Forever. Always. Yes. always. But everyone else was uh murder music or influence, right? Nah, no way. Uh that everyone I so I was alone on that island. Uh, right. with murder with the uh, hell on earth and so there were all these there's all these albums throughout history right that, that are just beautiful and gorgeous right aren't thought of like honestly like lab cabin california by Farside, <sighs> like people that just wasn't bizarre ride you know no. star ride but it, it's it's great. It's a great album. It's my favorite of theirs. The only downside of that album is the songs are very long. Yes. When you play now, I'm like, bro, how many five and a half minute joints are we gonna get go through here? Like, wow. The same yep. two bar loop for five and a half. I'm like, come on, bro. That's my only issue with that album. That's fair. I mean, it, it, it yeah, a lot of albums are long, Ooh. sound long it's now. Very long. Go back to them. Yeah. Um, because it, yeah, it was different times. But with yeah, I mean but so that I was just worried. I was like, there's so much nuance to the sonics. There's so much. This is so it, it's not there's nothing flashy about this album. Right. Right. I was like, I hope they get it. Like, I hope I hope the people are tuned in to how beautiful this fucking thing is. Wow. Thanks, man. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Yeah, you don't know, bro. You never know. Like, we all have that anxiety. Like, what the hell? How's this gonna work out? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like Castro and I had this talks for months leading up to little Robert Hutton, the same way we had those talks with Tosh. I didn't know what midnight suns was going to do Vegas. I don't know, man. I mean, some of them I'll be like, Oh wow. You guys really like this? Huh? Really? Or other ones. I'm like, why don't you like this? This one's crazier. Who knows? You know, like, you've no, no clue. Like people thinking you got mail to me is like this banging song on this album, like blows my mind where Smalls is like, oh, I think that's the best beat. I'm like, word, you think that's the best beat to me? I was just like, that was, again, that was like a song to make just to do something that day to be busy, but it wasn't anything. I was like, Oh, okay. Like this is it. You know, like there's other songs in the record. I'm like, okay, like this is like a real song, but that one is like, that keeps coming up. I'm like, Oh, sure. Thanks. I mean, I made it, but <laughs> No one knows. There's no algorithm, man. Like, I don't notice. Uh, you know, I'm not putting the, the ill features and testing on SoundCloud for five months and then bringing it down and then getting an agent. Like, I don't know how that goes. So what, however it connects, it's great to me. I mean, I'm all about it. <laughs> That's awesome. No, it, yes. it's, full disclosure, K Diggy, he has, ex, he has exposed his favorite song on this album, and it is the same as my favorite song on this oh, album. Word. Uh, Sleeping Heads. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is is my favorite uh number 11 and and <laughs> i alive is uh, i alive is the same as uh donovan days that is yep. so i alive is a critical instrument in this album very uh, much you can't steal from a thief is incredible yeah steal, that is the maximum pretty you get on the album is the small oh, yeah. I alive's voice and then you're punching Angelo in the face or whatever. You know? Yes. 
I had to, man. You know, he was a dirtball, man. I don't like that dude. He was, he was a wild dude, man. Like I, I, I was cracking that dude. Like it was like how. Remember that scene in Swingers when um they're talking. He's talking about one of the dudes. He's like, oh, he's a cool guy. Yeah, he's cool. I saw him one time, though. We were outside the bar. He grabbed this dude and was just like smacking his face, like smacking him, you know, he's like cracking his teeth in. But yeah, he's a great guy. Like I was doing that to Angelo, you know what I mean? And then like literally four years later, I'm I'm in the prom in the limo with this dude. I'm like, oh, what's up, man? (laughs) What's going on? And he was like super friendly all night. I'm like, you know, you remember what you remember what I did to you, right? Like. That, that was rough i'm not even that kind of guy but i'm like you know you had it coming like he was one of those dudes that just was always like picking at you to get a reaction always he was that kind of guy and then one, one day i gave him that reaction and that was it <laughs> that was over with you know? angelo was the internet before the internet <laughs> he was like the kids at the end of um Jay and Silent Bob strike back where like they show up at people's house like did you see on the internet Jay and Silent Bob are a bunch of fucking doofuses yo and they just like start beating those kids up <laughs> that was him he got it that day <laughs> and the yeah no the, the the basketball references on Spiral Book where they go from Vince Carter to the Carrie oh, Kittles yeah, yeah that, that's my favorite line the, the, the Prem Carrie Kittles Chess even, yep. even carry Kittle's best even. Yo, Prem's Prem Prem that man. He's awesome. Sure. Right? Prem's the one. It was, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, got, it's got some incredible moments on it. It's just, I just, it is so, there's so much texture here. Hey, I feel like, um, like it's a score. It, it uh, sounds- yeah, that's that's the that's the the word that I was gonna use. I use I had the word cinematic. Mm. It feels like a like Dan said. It feels like a movie score. Uh, and it it just feels like I think the great producers because I I remember I was watching the Back to Black documentary a couple of years ago, the right. one they did on the Black album by yep. by Jay Z and Kanye was talking about uh, how he viewed like making albums as making movies yep and you can so the point i'm trying to make is you can tell the producers that you like organize their thoughts and their songs in that way yeah or, or their yes. albums as well and to me small professor he seems like he's a very like he's a great organizer and as i said the the album feels very cinematic to me. You, you know, I, I like how you said that because he's a person where when i first linked up with him in like 2007 Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we're the first collaborators, Wreck and Crew. Like we we predate Wreck and Crew together. I, I was working with him before I was working with Ca- with Castro. Um, I knew Castro in the Philly scene, but I didn't work with him yet. So me and Smalls were like the first piece of the chessboard. And um, he his beats to me were always just like I think it's because we both love soundtracks. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, me and my dad are always like diehard soundtrack collectors. My dad will always be like, I'll be like, did you watch that movie? He's like, killer soundtrack. Like, that'll be yeah. his first commentary on a movie. He'll be like, great soundtrack. You know what I mean? So I always would buy soundtracks, and then I would, like, sample soundtracks. And I, th- I think that's why, like, I'm, I'm a big, like, DJ Scratch fan, because DJ Scratch beats are cinematic. Like, he picks flourishes and pieces. that, And because in, in movies, like, you're, you're going for emotion. You know what I yes. mean? Like, 
there are some scores that are like weird and edgy kind of like like there will be blood where like you're just on edge the whole time and other ones are like like interstellar where it's like this incredible um kind of like dreamy huge vast space from Hans zimmer but other ones there's like tension you know what i mean or drama that's the second and I think Small Pro has always been the best to me at finding those sounds. And most of them are from soundtracks. The same way, like when I produce, it's the same thing. Like I, I will go to a soundtrack first to find that vibe to hit you. You know, it doesn't mean that's the only place, but though that music is designed for emotion first. Exactly. I mean, it's so crazy that you use because. My the second word that I thought of was tension. Like I mm. think, like a lot of music, and I was talking with my friend about this like last week. We were talking about music. Like I think there's a lot of tension music missing in music. Mm. Like for a lot of music, there's really there's really no bite to it. There's really no reason to be listening to it. Right. Uh, but for I felt like for the music on this project, there was like you said, there was tension. Like there was there was a reason to be listening to it. Mm. And there was, a, there was a reason why it kind of, some of the songs kind of stuck with you after you heard them. And I, and I think it's because, you know, he has a great, uh, both of you guys have like a great sense and great understanding of musical tension. Mm. Thanks, man. I, I, I think he's phenomenal at that. And if, if you look at the beats I pick from him versus what he'll do on his own or what, he does with other people and like like I've, I've said before like blue edwards with him and castro that's my that's my favorite castro record ever yep. because it, it makes castro be buster rhymes like castro empties out all of his skills mm -hmm. because small pro was like here's a six eight six eight beat right uh tempo here's a three four tempo he, you know like he throws him in and out of places that castro has like maneuver and a lot of those beats too have like that tension behind it but it's more about like time signatures and then his other stuff like his church john's project incredible like john supreme oh, i mean i just have yeah. i've known the john series since i've known him so like i've i've had them all forever but like even what he did with sean p on 86 witness oh 86 witness. i mean i was there when they were starting that record and hearing the demos and some of them i was like i don't know how this can you put this out bro like i don't know if this is like a song like this is just kind of like <laughs> some stuff and the yeah. final product was like him mad living that shit, like him filling in the blanks. Like he was the first person ever to work with Sean Price and be like, I'm emphasizing the comedy. No one's right. done that. Everyone's like, he's about punching you in your shit. I'm like, no, he's actually the funniest dude on the East Coast. Straight up. And no one leaned into that like Small Pro did. Um, and Sean, Sean heard most of those songs before he passed. So it wasn't like, you know, he was turning the album on its head but um yeah i think he's i think he i think to me that, that that's the best part of his ear and his willingness to go to places and touch pieces and samples like sleeping heads to me was like when i heard it i'm like bro did you you made this like you did right. that because to me it's like it was coming from a place of kind of like lo-fi basement in the rock art house when i heard that piece and he was just like oh yeah it was like some loop with like a crazy bass hit and i'm like nah this is like 
something else, dude. Like this isn't just some shit you make. This is like really. It sounded like a tape. It's to me. It sounded like a reel to reel. You find what a metal detector on the beach. Like walking like an old man, and he pulls something out, and it's like an old reel to reel, and it's like that shit. Where like was, you put on, you're like, this is pretty, but this sounds fucked up. I was gonna say, Sleeping Heads is a beat you could put on for Kevin Arnold to get, to get broken up with, like years. <laughs> like it's so emotive, right? And deeply, like yeah, it's 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 amazing, and he he has that ability. I was saying, I you know when he wrote the piece for me last year. My favorite section of it was him talking about Fanon mm. uh, because he was taught, he kind of talked about Fanon, like, you know, like, um, I always check what you do, like, you know, kind of like, like oh, yeah. two just bumping into each other at the grocery store, like, you know, right. um, <laughs> that is the only person I can think of who can do pure emotion in a, in a nasty rap beat, like, right. bro. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Dilla had that too where he would have he would have like Doom too. Like they would have these samples where I was like this kind of makes you want to cry. You know what I mean? But it's yeah. like it's but it's also like begging to be wrapped on. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think Smalls like Sleeping Heads beat where I heard that I was just like I was frozen. I was like what do I say? Like this is but it's but it made sense. I'm like, no one gets this but me. Like, this is mine. Where there's other beats you get from producers. I went through this with Vegas Vic a lot where people would send me stuff and I'd be like playing it and loving it. And I'm like, I just I got nothing. I got nothing. You know what I mean? I'm like, I want to work with this person. It would be crazy to have them on the credits and start a relationship. But I'm like, I, I, I don't want to waste anyone's time like this. I'll, I'll give it back to you, dude. It doesn't work for me, even though I love it. And I think with this one, it's like, there's probably the only time I turned down beats from him was like when we were wrapping everything up and we, and we, we made the intro last. Um, so there was like four oh, wow. beats. Yeah. That was like a newer song that was made like last year for um, peace talks. So I, I, I turned, I had maybe four or five in a pack and I picked that one. I was like, this is, this is it right here, dude. But even with that, I'm like, what do I say? You know, I'm like, Oh, um, that's fascinating. Yeah, it was it, because so that you was, know, um, I was going to say, like, the first song really sets the context for the album, sets the mood for it. Right. So the fact that that was one of the last ones you did, that kind of makes sense because you know mm. what the vibe, right? The energy of the album is. So you can you can make a, a good opening statement if you know what you've already what you're going to be talking about. Exactly. And he, to me, it was kind of like um, Jay Jay Z, like where I'm from, mm. like that it was like that type of thing I was trying to go for, but in the moment of post George Floyd COVID without saying those things to date, the record, I didn't want to be like, yo, George Floyd died. So we could all, you know, this COVID got the mask on. I pass on brothers get blast on. Like, I didn't want to do that shit. I just, I'm not into it. So I was like, how do I convey like this tension and then also like me realigning some things I thought I was one way about and I'm not anymore. So, and then to me, it had like that where I'm from Jay, where he kind of like changes pockets a lot on that mm-hmm. song. So I was like, let me try to do that to make it interesting. And um, I think that was like the first take I did. I did one take 
I sent it over. I'm like, what do you think? He's like, that's it. I was like, all right, cool. I won't, I won't do any more takes. I mean, it works for me. So, <laughs> so awesome. it, it kind of came together like that for that one. I have a question because this is interesting. So you mentioned tension again. Like, so we know how producers and people who make music, we have an idea about how they make, how they create tension. Right. How do you as a rapper or an artist create tension in your work? That's a great question, bro. Um, I think you create tension a few ways. I think you have to, because tension is like waiting, Right. Like I was saying this on Twitter to uh, Chelsea, not forgotten. I was like, uh, Inglorious Bastards is like my second favorite Tarantino movie because like he masters like suspense and tension. Like you're always having you have anxiety waiting for something bad to happen or like, can these bad guys get dealt with? Like I'm waiting for that. You know what I mean? Mm. So I think that comes from rapping where like you're telling a story and it doesn't go the way it's supposed to. Or you're kind of like, like Prem is really good at this. Prem is really good at like giving you all that, all the, the, the puzzle pieces. And then he trusts you're going to snap the pieces in place. Yep. And he kind of just steps off from it. You know what I mean? Or like, or like Woods, Woods is good at it too. Where like Woods gives you tension and then he'll be like, you know, all this already, right? You know that. <laughs> You know, the, the, the car yeah. has a transponder and it goes ping like everyone knows that, you know, he does it in a way of like, it's already happened. You already know. I'm just like checking it off the list with you. You know that. So he gives you a place of like, it's kind of scary because he's like, oh, yeah, that's just how it goes. Everyone knows that. So I think it's you could be really blunt and direct in a nonchalant way or like even like prodigy. It's like his tension was like. He would he would say threats in like a very ornate, but like direct way where you're like, you know, you know, what's the line he says on a drop a gem on him? Like, um, he said, I got I got bangers the size of African spears is warfare in the arena. We turn arenas into house of horrors. When you see my mob, you better run behind shit like that's saying shit like that is like we turn arenas into house of horrors. When you see my click, you better run behind shit. You got to get, you better find it and use that shit. Like that's really scary to say versus like, I'm going to, you know, like MOP is, there is no tension with MOP. You know, you turn on, it's like, first family. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's like a whistle coming into work. You know what I mean? And with P it was the scary part was the tone in which he said it. Right. Right. He was saying, like, you better run behind shit. Like, he wasn't. You better run behind he shit. He, wasn't, he was like, no, nah, this is going to happen. Like, and the, the Woods thing, like we said, because that's what keeps it from being professorial, right? Right. Whether history or whether he's talking drug shit. Like, a lot of drug shit, man. It, people, don't, people don't catch the drug shit. There's Yo, drug he's shit. like the best drug rapper out, and no <laughs> one knows that. I'm like, why don't you see this? He's like giving that. you the game. But he will, he says it kind of like. You should know talks. this. Everybody knows this. He's, looking, like he t- he's the same. He's the same shit. Like he's, yeah. So that's, yeah. that's magic for him. I think, I think so for me, for tension, it's like, like to me, like, like South Philly bumper cars, like that's tension. You know what I mean? Like I'm talking about like a very dangerous fucking thing where like, and this is based on a real story. <laughs> like I'm going to get back at people by putting my own life at risk and I don't give a fuck. Like that's terrifying. 
And so the song is short, but it outlines like, here's what happened. We see these people. The plan is we put our lives at risk to smash their car with our car. South Philly bumper cars. Like, yeah. and then he smalls ends it with the car crash and the scene from Pulp Fiction. Like that was his whole idea. But um, that to me is like very frightening. You know what I mean? Like when someone told me that story, I'm like, you did that shit? And they were like, yeah, of course we did. And I was like, oh, okay. And it was a young dude. And he was like 18 telling me that shit. I was like, oh, okay, word. I'm using that in a song. Yeah, that's, I mean, what I was going to say about tension, I think this is an interesting point, is that, you know, sometimes I will check out a TV shows that are very good because the tension never releases. Mm. Yo, that's how I felt. You know what show I felt like that? Handmaid's Tale, bro. Oh, good. That, show was just, that was just like torture point after a while. I'm like, yo, can can something change? <laughs> God <laughs> damn. Like, yeah, and I was, was like, there's no, there's so no what comeuppance. I, what I was going to say is I think there's distinct points at Never at Peace where the tension resolves, right? Mm. Where, where it, it actually bows up into a banger, right? You mm. get Crew Nautilus, very satisfying. And honestly, Game Dash taught me is just love that song. And it is it is followed by a song you could play at people's funerals. Like it the saddest, most ominous song, the title track. Right. So it's that the beautiful tension in the sequence. Thank you. I, mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Like Dame Dash, like. When he played me that beat, I was like, this is this is it. Same thing. I was like, this is so hard. Like, what do I do with it? I, I, I think I sat on that beat the longest. And then I, I did a lot on it. And I was like, I was like, no, nah, I want to get print on this one. I, I, I just thought like slow beat, it's blueprint. He has to be on the slow beat. Um, and I, I think we, we, we had just we just did a show with him in Philly. And uh, he was on my mind. And I was playing that beat. I was like. What can we both talk about that we both know that we like and we love we love Dame Dash, love this motherfucker. So I was like, this will be it. I'm like, if I give him a concept he'll he's interested in and excited about, he'll he'll crush it. And so just having him kind of slide in towards the end of the record, you know, doing his thing. I was like, yo, this is this is it. But yeah, that beat is like I haven't gotten a lot of hits yet about that song, but because I thought I would because of Blueprint's feature to right. me. Um, but on my end, I'm like, yo, that joint is insane. Like that. Absolutely. That shit is hard. No, it's, it's, and I think segue one last uh, question, basically funny question is when did you, like, how long has it been where, like, how long did it take people to catch up to knowing how good small pro is the way you do? Um, I don't think they have, dude, to be honest with you. Like, I, I just, I'm being honest. I don't, I think he's, I think he's in a place where producers know. Right. Without question. And the same way he has that friendly competition with other producers, which I've known about him with that for 10 years. Yeah. Um, producers know. And I think with the rappers, I think when he did, when he did Highway Robbery with Guilty Simpson, like there was one beat on there called like running, running. I'm running through my mind. like that beat. I was like, okay, like this is fucking amazing. This beat because it's it's putting Guilty Simpson on like a lighter thing, but it's like a heavy concept. So to me, I was like really impressed with that because and I heard a million beats from him by that point. And then as time is going on, like I said, Blue Edwards, um, you know, 
86, 86 witness to me is like, I think people look at that as like a Sean record for obvious reasons. But to me, that's a small pro album. Like mm. it's all small pro and no, no shots to Sean. Sean is hilarious. He has like so many like slick lines in there that you don't catch for, for first five, six listens. But like Refrigerator P, which is the real first song, that beat is bonkers. The song with Rockness, like there's just so many moments where to me, like the beats are the best beats Sean had rapped on in years. But it's a Sean P album to fans because he's Sean Price. He's a fucking amazing, right? So I think like in the Wrecking Crew world, my thing is always like, Small Pro should be Alchemist. He should be DJ Muggs to me. Because he's to me, he's just as good. Like, I don't look at them and be like, well, they're up here and he's just down here. Like, to me, I don't see really any difference at all. Like, I just think he his his process is different where he's going to put out a bunch of instrumental joints and he's going to go in different. Like, he'll never, he's had opportunities <laughs> to work with big name people. And he turns them down because he's not on that shit of like oh i'm gonna be in the in the box of this kind of guy you know what i mean like i could tell you off camera who these people would be you would be like oh why didn't you do that what huh we were even sex about it today before you know he had he had to uh, reschedule you guys but uh, he's also on his like he's so interested in having a career he wants yeah and for me i'm like I respect that. Now let's make you fucking alchemist, bro. Like, like yeah, yeah, can we beat yeah. DJ Muggs for you on this side over here? Like you're seeing the game now with the merch and the pieces and the collabos. Like, let's do that. I think that would be dope. But, you know, everyone's on their own time. You know what I mean? Like, no, it's it, everyone it, it, was where they are. Sometimes it clicks, you know, in 2005, 2030, who knows? But he's he's in a place where I think as a friend, a dear friend and fan, I feel like I sit back and I'll be like, how, how are these beats available for me still? God damn. Like, <laughs> cause I'm taking them. Like they're, they're not getting out of the inbox. That's not, not going to turn around. Like, Oh yeah. Planet Asia took those seven and then right, styles right. P took four. And then, you know, the E 40 took two. Like that's not happening with me. Like when, remember when alchemist had like the, we going to make it shit yeah. <laughs> where he's playing it for Jada and Razkaz and he was playing it for Jay-Z who turned it. I'm like, that's not happening with me, dude. I pounce. <laughs> it, it, yeah, no, I would say like it's it, once you know of Small Pro and have heard the Yawn Supremes and are, are tuned in, like you end up playing that game of like, why don't they just call Small Pro? Like, why why don't they just I, yeah. Yeah. straight up, dude? My mind all the time where I'm just like, I feel like they work with Small Pro, all these problems go away. I I'm like that with Alchemist. I'll sit back. I'm like, why aren't you just doing a fucking album with Alchemist? He will do an album, clearly. Why aren't you just doing that? It makes so much sense. Hey, Raekwon and Ghost, Alchemist album. Why is this complicated? Why, why aren't you just doing that? Yeah. Hmm. With that. Yeah. So what is it about those guys like a small pro or Alchemist that gives them, I, I don't know, I guess you'd call it like, gives them that superpower that you, that you would trust other artists in their hands? Like, what is it about them that's different from other producers? I think I think because they're they're so they're so committed to loving the process of making beats and loving the idea of like I'm gonna impress the shit out of you. 
Like Alchemist is a humble dude, but he's not humble, bro. Look at that catalog. <laughs> that man is not humble. You don't make keep it thorough on someone. No one's gonna know it's me. You 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 know see what I'm saying? Like you don't make Alfredo like uh it's it's really about Freddie. I don't know. I, I just stay home. No, bro, he wants you to know, like I made this shit. You know, like, don't get it fucked up. It's me. So <laughs> I think with small pros the same way of like I'm in it for the right reasons. I'm not driven by trends and money and status. The only status I care about is like you put those names on the list, I'm up there. Like I'm I'm gonna be on that list of like real yeah. incredible producers. Cause if you look at Al, same way, like, you know, two things with Boldy James this year, you know, like he probably could do another Alfredo tomorrow. And but when he did that, it was like just some more shit he's making. It just gets nominated for you know Grammy, but like whatever, you know, he'll do shit with like Chuck Strangers or like Earl and Arm and Hammer and Castro, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't give a fuck. It's just like I'm dope. Who do I really like? Who do I want to invest in versus like what's going to level me up next year? Mm. It feels like he like he in in a sense, what makes small pro Fanon, you know, uh, Alchemist special is that they can touch the nerve of the music. Right. There's some they got that ear. There's some books that Mm. are like airport, airport. And you just buy them to get on the plane. The plot's good enough; it's fine. Passes through you. But like, I remember reading an Elmore Leonard book. And I'd be oh, at man. work. I'd be at work. People would be like, "How's your week going?" And I'd be like, "I hope it works out." <laughs> you know, I was just like, it, I I was stressed because right. it was so well done. Right. Um, that's that's the difference, right? Where they can touch the nerve. Right. The music is. Um, so that comes from a place of purity. That's, that's just what I'm getting at. It's like I've been around some like snake ass producers, bro. Like, <laughs> you're like, oh, just blaze is hot. Here's my 10 just blaze beats. Oh, a little John's hot. Here's my, here's my little John pack. Oh, you know what I mean? Like that whole like stepping on your neck to give somebody a beat CD type of guy. I've been around a lot of those people, and Alchemist has never been that. You know what I mean? Like, Fanon is not that person. He's, Small Pro is not that elusive as a producer. Not that guy. Yeah, They're like, here's the cool shit I make. Here's what it is. You know what I mean? Like, mm. if, can you work with this? Yes or no? If not, I'm going to put it out on my own. Barry, Disco Vietnam, he's like that. He's like, yo, I put out nine B tapes in two years. Here they are. You know what I mean? And I'm working with Ghostface, Jim Jones, <laughs> Crime Apple. Zilla Raga, like boom, here they are. You know what I mean? If not, they're gonna go back out on SoundCloud and Bandcamp, whatever. Fuck it. You know what I mean? It's like it's not like this, there's no concentrated thing. Like Hit Boy fails to me mm. because it's like like four 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 by J versus like King's Disease one and two. And I love King's Disease one, but like four 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 is like Dion being like, I'm just making some shit for you, bro. I'm just make some shit. Yeah. Whereas Hip Boy is like, it's me and Nas. It's like an album, and it's like, this bad. This like aging, but it's like we're we're young, but we're like rich, but like we have a conscious, and like here's the thing, and it's like four four four. It really is just like, yo, we're old. These beats are banging. Say some shit. All right, cool. Let's do the next one. Versus like you know, all right, we gotta get like we gotta do like a summer song. Uh, you know, yeah. Like, fuck that. You know, <laughs> like. You know, and I think speaking of arranging, I think the beginning, like the first three, four songs on King Disease is flawless. And then it quickly just dovetails into something else. And then it kind of redeems itself towards the end. But it's like, 
I, I, I think it's like too many intentions. Ooh, fuck up producers. Ooh, that's a good call. You know what I mean? Versus like, yo, maybe this album doesn't have any club hits, bro. But it's an album people talk about for 20 years. Maybe it's that. Too many intentions. Like it, it's almost like uh, in sports, a team having an identity, right? right. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's pick a team that doesn't have an identity and call them the Lakers. The Lakers <laughs> don't have a damn identity. We know what they are. Right. And they look ridiculous. But the you know a team that really knows it doesn't matter if they're like sludgy, defensive minded, or just like the Chicago Bulls having a fun right. Like right. they know who they are. And right. so the best, maybe that's a good way to start. The best sequenced albums, a right. lot of mine on my list know exactly who they are. Good point. So we, this is the whole theme of the show is about the best sequenced albums uh, because Zilla Rock Coach is in, the, is, is in the sequencing mind state. I'm in that business and business is booming, Jack. Sequenced <laughs> albums. Uh, it's it's and he, which is beautiful. It's an obsession that an syncs obsession. up nicely with what we do because yes. we are always talking about these runs, the on the albums and trying mm-hmm. to diagnose what's going on. So what I did was I grabbed some really old school shit and some okay. modern shit as well to try and and mix it up. Okay. Uh, and then I started thinking about I don't know different parts and pockets of albums and what they should accomplish is pretty interesting. I like it. Um, so that was, I was going to say that we start with Crate 808 hasn't been released as of right now, but it will. I'm a patron, so I get it. I get it ahead. Just the cam and uh, mm-hmm. him on the new ne- next movement pod. That's it's a fucking great show. He, he interviewed Shea Serrano Woo. about oh, UK wow. riding dirty. Wow. Yeah, pretty cool. And one of the beautiful things, because he was talking about it, Shay's an incredible mind, and the first five songs of Ride and Dirty are perfect. Right. They should be studied, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Um, And he brought up a great point of the first pure song is One Day, which is like a stop the track song, right? Right. It's a meet, and like, you know, his Pipsy's friend Bobo's kid died in a house fire like unbelievable song and mm. the next song is murder and it's like i will kill you to this like almost <laughs> reggae beat um it's it's an amazing transition sometimes great sequencing is about jarring right you know, mm-hmm. taking them up like intentionally right where in an album do you think they should do that you think it's early you don't do that late or what do you think I think there's a, a nice formula that I've followed where by track five through seven, is something has to change. It's like act two, something, mm. something different has to emerge. So you can have crazy shit. You know, you're like, this, this is, this is my philosophy real quick. The first three songs got to be like, the three best among the three best, like the core of the record, because especially now, even back in the day, like if you don't pull people on the first three songs, you're fucked, right? People don't have time to get to the, uh, an album kicking off on track six. Like that's crazy. Right. right? right. So f- track one typically exists to be like, 
hey, we're here, big brass shit, loud, up tempo. This is what well, this is what it is when you fuck with me or us. Second song is like, yep, and you thought I was playing. Nope, I got more of that. This one's even more nuts. And then the third song is usually like, this is the best song in the album, the strongest. Oh. Because it's the fulcrum. It's like it's not the high, big up tempo banger, and it's not like the personal introspective song or the R and B song for the chicks. It's usually like the go to. Like I think when we talk fifty with you guys, I think like many men was like third or some shit. Like what up, gangsta starts it off right. Yeah, one of the best intros. But I think many men is or something like that is like tracks. I don't have it in front of me, but like that type of record where it's like, oh, this is actually the best song. So then after that kind of couplet, then you're like, okay, how do we get to things changing? So track five, six, seven ish, there should be like something different. You know what I mean? Like slower stripped down. Like it needs to, because again, like remember when people would be like, yo man, why doesn't Nas just get, you know, he knows what to do. He just needs to call up fucking Pete Rock and Premiere and Q-Tip and Large Pro. He just needs like nine bangers. I'm like, no, no, you don't need bangers. You need well, like well-sequenced great beats, Yeah, not yeah. beat you in your head shit because after three of them, they don't mean anything. There's nothing to bridge it against. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like remember on um the Travis Scott album, um, when that joint coffee bean hits, right? That's like towards the end of the record. Mm-hmm. And you're the whole album, like you're trapping it out. Drake's on there. You know, you're having a fucking blast. And then coffee bean hits. You're like, oh, this is like some like neo soul fucking boom bap shit. Like, where is this coming from? Like, it snaps you. You're like, oh, like I'm taking this for real now with this guy. Like, this is this is not, you know, the 72 BPM with two chains. Like, this is some shit from my world, 92 in the pocket, like, and then him being like kind of confessional about a chick. So like, you need those moments to me in the arrangement to still stay true to, I guess, what the concept or the artist you are, or the flip side is track one is the, the subversion, the curveball. You know what I mean? Like to people be like, Oh shit. You know, like, like shrapnel did it with Ghostface Targaryen. Like when you open with that song, you're like, I've never heard anything like this in my life. These guys aren't fucking around. uh, Was that like an IMAX for three minutes? Like, what the fuck was that? And then like the more typical rap moments happen down the line. Do do you usually create your opening song? Do you have like, is that usually created at the beginning or the near the end of the process? So, okay, so for Never at Peace, I was pretty sure when we made Do What You've Been Doing, I'm like, that's the opener. I had like these big lush pianos and this piano mm-hmm. roll. And it was basically me saying like, there is no sophomore jinx. We're going to do what we've been doing. And it's kind of like life advice. Like, yo, who gives a fuck? Do what you've been doing. Like, if that's worked out well for you, then don't get in your head about it, right? So when I heard that beat, I'm like, that, ha- that has to be the opener. Then he, he sent me the beat for SP Situations. And we did that song. We, we, we performed it a few times. I'm like, well, this is clearly the album opener. Duh. This is the best song. And then a year or two later, he sends me the beat for Peace Talks. And I was like, okay, this is the out. Al- you see what I'm saying? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. 
every time I made some of these songs, I'm like, well, that has to open the album clearly. Um, and then small pro had other plans. So, <laughs> so it's like, but then on our album, the third song crew Nautilus was like the first beat he sent me from the very beginning. He just sent me that where he's like, Oh, here's a beat. Here it is. Check it out. I'm like, Whoa, this is wild. So I had that beat probably since 2017, 18 or something, just kind of sitting on it. Wow. But, um, but to me, I'm like, that, that beat is insane. And then again, like people love that song, you know, shrapnels on it. Track three. There you go. Yeah. You know what I mean, no, it's it, you, the whole opening it up with do what you've been doing kind of reminded me of the, the second EPMD album. Oh, finished business. Remember wow. What you're saying. You yes. That, that they were like, Oof. we're back. You thought it was a one album. Yes. Uh, and that that would that would have been that move yeah um, that's great the one when you talked about the third song being the best and the second act it really I, I had something that's kind of in this vein as an example um i i stayed away from east coast albums i figured coach would have that handle i got that i got um, it i got so you fam in terms of a middle song run right i'm going with do or dies picture this Wow. Yeah. Do or die. I haven't listened to that record in years. Three through six, right? Right. Track three. In the backseat of a caddy. <laughs> right? Killer Be Killed is number four. Paper Chase is number five. Play It Like Me and You is number six. That is no. a run. And that is a run that kind of says, like, this shit is different. Like, we're yes. not out here you know, trying to like screw face you, this shit, you can play this as you ride slowly down the neighborhood to impress people. Ooh. That is what you can do with this. Yeah. That's a good one. So that was my shout to Chicago. I mean, I would say like just Adrenaline Rush, just twisted mm -hmm. as like the, you know, I think it's one of the best albums ever, but it, I think that's a well- produced one but you when you talk about intentions right right albums that know their intentions all of my all of the ones that came to mind were groups okay old school shit groups right? nice groups back when we were growing up uh me and coach because yeah okay he's very <laughs> young very young man um, <laughs> but no when we were growing up the groups kind of knew what the fuck they were doing right sure uh, they they just had it together more, you know. Mm. Uh, you, you could look at best sequenced albums. Dela and Tribe have more than a lot of solo people, right? True. Yep. But for me, two stood out, right? Public Enemy, Apocalypse '91, Raw. Uh, it's I I just think that's magnificent and Cypress Hill Three. Oh man, mm. what a, what a record! Temples of I, I, I did want to follow up on on the intentional. Like, how how do you define intentionality in music? From a producer's or rapper point of view, or just producer? whichever? Okay, yeah, however you want to. I think like okay, so this is speaking from a person that <laughs> tried for a while to get into the major label world and was going to fucking seminars and like getting a and r's business cards and handing out shit and taking notes and learning about fucking publishing and um 
there's people that like that's their world, like the administrative behind the scenes thing, right? And what I learned was it's only a few rare people like Pharrell, um, like two chains or somebody, Snoop, where like they could sit there, Biggie, you know what? I need to make a hit like this and work with this person to hit this market so I can make money this way and do shows off here and charge. Like it's a seven step thinking ahead process, right? And it's so rare when those people can do that, like in a very effortless, ill way. You know what I mean? Like if you watch like the Notorious video when he does the fucking Big Papa song, he's just like in the studio, there's chicks everywhere they are playing between the sheets and it's been like six hours. Like, oh, you ready? Oh, yeah, yeah. So all the ladies in the place with style and grace allow me to like, like he was just like, okay, here's a hit. Boom. You know, you know, baby, baby, you know, Jay could do that. Um, their intentions were like, make hits make money dominate right when you can't do that shit like in an effortless way it becomes like scheming like hustling you know what i mean like what's popping how do i replicate that like i would do beat battles at industry events and they'd be like well i can't hear chameleonaire rapping on that beat i'm like fuck chameleonaire and not because i don't like him but i'm like why the fuck would i living in south philadelphia my whole life want to make a beat for chameleonaire right like like and he's dope but i'm like why would that be in my brain like look at me why the fuck would i do that right but that was their thing like looking at like well what's the marketability like how do you you know all that bullshit and so it's like again like only pharrell will be like yo nori i made this beat called super thug you're not allowed to play the cd till you land in miami and get to your room and he did that he was like here's the beat don't play it until you land in Miami. And he prints it on here is that, you know, the helicopter. Emmanuel Noriega, he's in the Philippines. Darn, darn. You know what I mean? Like, those are like visionary ass people that are amazing. Yeah. Everyone else is just like, when you do that shit too much, it's like most people are going to fail and they're going to look like suckers. Like, we've all heard those albums, new or old, when the person is like really trying to cross over and it sounds bad. Like, you're like why did you do that now you're pissing me off and i'm the person holding you down you know what i mean like don't go after becky and them like they're they're never never gonna fuck with this you don't have it but you got it with me doing the things i like the last four albums whatever so you yeah know, like, I mean, well, is it is it fair to say that like it would be like clarity or character right like there's people like there's people you know are solid from when you first meet right right like that's jennifer she's funny <laughs> but crashes right. real hard sometimes she's she's good people right 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 like, but there's some people i went to high school who are still still have no care right, they, right. they're still different around everyone they meet they're still like you know double talking and you're just like let it go be is there a you in there like right some people are like that artistically. Mm. Mm. They're just, they're kind of, yeah, the, the intentions aren't within them. They're external. Like right. you said, they're, they're, and, and there needs to be room for like, or like an, like an organic, like magic to happen. That is not the result of grinding, hustling, looking at numbers and all that. Like, fuck that. Like that's, the best work has never really happened off of that. 
it's it, it, there's exceptions for sure but it's like you you can't do it's it's not the winning thing you know what i mean because again you really don't know what's going to work people think they have it figured out but they still don't <laughs> like you really don't so you you may think you have the, you hit the lotto like i remember like nas working with like scott storch on like hip hop is dead and on fucking untitled whatever no one scott storch probably made like 80 bands off those beats and that's no one even knows about that shit. No one get, no one cares. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, but when Nas does like, you know, Salam Remy shit, you know, made you look sample an Apache. You're like, that's there. It is the best beat of all time. Boom. There it right, went. Right. Sampling the most hip hop shit of all time. Yep. No, it's wild. I mean, sequencing is insane. I was looking at modern examples of great sequencing. And one of the funny experiences was re-listening to anime trauma and divorce right when it first broke the first single he put out was Bucciarati with Carrie Fawkes and uh, I didn't like it I'll be honest what is this I don't like this this is like Open Mike Eagles one of my favorite rappers in the world right what is this but when the album came out it's track four by the time you get through the first three, I, I really enjoy that song. Mm. <laughs> like, shit, I'm into it. Uh, and it's because Sweatpants Spider-Man explains <laughs> all that shit, dog. Headass, <laughs> all that shit. Like, it's those people, like, what did Dad Bod Rapod said some shit about Armand Hammer, too, where he said those guys go into the studio trying to make the album of the year. Hmm. And that's a different kind of pressure right? that you put on yourself. And right. I feel like Mike Eagle is that way too. Good point. Uh, Good point. What, um, Diggy, what, what albums you, you fucking with, like arrangement-wise? I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I mean, I, to be honest, like, I, I don't think there are a lot of, because I'm trying to think of some rap albums off the top of my head, and I'm not really coming, none are really coming to mind. I think... Uh, hip-hop in general most hip-hop i would say most mainstream don't nowadays don't know how to sequence their albums mm. in a compelling way oh, I, I agree um here's a here's a big mainstream one Oof. here here's a big mainstream album that is arranged marvelously uh yeezus okay so here's why Yeezus is arranged in a real ill way. Because Kanye talked about there was one arrangement where he opened with blood on the leaves, yep. which would be a wild opener. That would be oh wild. Right? That's six minutes. Um, so on site, right? <laughs> then black skinhead. Then I am a god. Then new slaves. Right? Just that. That's a heck of a run. Okay. But the album is a night at the club. Think about it like this. On site comes on and it's weird and distorted and like things are in and out. It's a very disorienting beat. Yeah, I, f- I mean, I, I still remember the first time I heard that beat. Like I was listening to it in the car and I thought there was something wrong with the car. Yes. Right. <laughs> so when you first walk into a club, it's like disorienting. It's like the noise, people. People were bumping into you like you're, you're stuffing your ID back in your pocket and you're checking on your phone. Like 
you're all over the place, right? And then once you get settled in, it's like bass, you know, up tempo, black skinhead, I am a god, like new slaves, hold my liquor. Okay, now it's three. Now you're like starting to feel it. You've had a couple of drinks now. You know what I mean? And then once you're like, oh, I can't hold my liquor, you either get like turn up rowdy or like emotional. You want to fight people. You start thinking about your ex, whatever, right? So then that takes you to like bound two. That's when the lights come on at the club. And they play the slow jam. Wow. That's Jesus, bro. Jesus is a night at the club. What a take. This is wow. takes, uh, That's that shit. Amazing. Amazing. That's why you have coach. I mean, <laughs> so a cake, I suggest one for your list. And then I guess this will be your list. Schoolboy Q, blank face. God, I love this album. Mm, okay. Blank we face. love me and Kay. When this came out in 2016, we were all album. over the office talking this shit. Loved it. Love this shit. It's kind of slept on. It's like a really great album. It, Fucking beautiful. Album. It, it is. I did. It came out. It came out the same year as Damn. Right? Was it 2016? 2016. I think. Was that Damn? Has it been five years since Damn came out? Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. How you do it, I think Damn is like arranged beautifully too. Oh yeah, that's a fair. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that stuff. I think arranging is key on TE because the the tones of the production is so. I don't know. It's it's not sedate, but it's right. It's low tempo, so it, they need they need buy in. Right. right. They need to arrange your shit. They can't afford to to mess it up. Um, yeah, that, that's a good one. I love Blank Face. Oh my god, Tony. Tony. Oh my. Tony. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. Blank face was before. So damn came out 2017. Blank okay. face came out the year July 2016. So good boy. Yeah. One, of, he's one of the best. I think he's one of the yeah. best. I love him. Uh, so I, I would say that the other, the other uh, modern one I had was bandana. Oh God. I love, I fucking love bandana, man. Oh my God. You could, you can make a case that most Freddie Gibbs albums are really well sequenced. Like that is yeah, one of his yes. superpowers. But the, there's a mixture because Mad Lib doesn't give a fuck, right? Mad Lib is just, okay. he's okay. almost like the production version of Little Wayne, like chaos, you know, uh, beautiful chaos. And yep. so it's the beautiful chaos with this kind of mastermind flow can go anywhere composing. So that mixture. I think Bandana has like 10 perfect songs in a row to open. Dude, you know what the key to Bandana is? Mm. He puts Palm all of its sticks. Yes. Like, look, yep. That, yep. like again, when you go for massage seats, which is like some wild, like, like reggae dub chopped up shit, and he's just, am I massage seat? And then all of a sudden, like you, when you go from the hectic to like the most stripped down perfect loop and you have Pusha T and, and Killer Mike just doing the hook, the best hook of his life, right? The best hook of his life. That's I mean, how you really like when that comes on, you st- you're like, oh, shit, you just stop. But it's track six. You see what I'm saying? Like that's what the part of the album where you got to start showing like different flavors now. 
know what I mean? Like freestyle mm-hmm. shit, half main, half cocaine, crime pays, massage. That's the first pack. Okay. Freddie Gibbs can rap. These beats are cracking. Mad Lib's nasty with it. Da-da-da. Here's Palm Olive. And we're like, oh, like that's that's my shit. No, it's I if anybody's watching this and meets Killer Mike, you thank him, <laughs> Palm Olive. And uh, if, if he had just done Palm Olive, he would be a legend. Uh, so I just think it, it's it's almost like he's officiating a fight between Freddie and Pushin. Like he's just like, all right, yeah. My uh, my my more more recent meeting, like last ten years, is Marsburg. Mar- yeah. To me, Marsburg has a literal ten song run with no skips. What's the name of it? Rock Marcy, uh, Marsburg. Oh, oh, is, oh, yeah, his oh. first album. Yeah. Like whatever, whatever through Marsburg, the title, like track three to thirteen, no skips, just straight, done. You know what I mean? Like, but then track six is Snow, the, the beat where you're like, whoa, whoa, like what, what is going on? There it is. Like five and six are like the most important parts of the album to show, like, oh, you think I just do this shit? I actually I got other stuff, and then I, I may never go back to it again. Five and six, you introduce the next level. Right. And I think on the ending, on usually with albums, the my favorite albums, the most personal shit, the wildest <laughs> like shit where you get to know people is like eight, nine, ten, eleven. Like it is the back half, right? Right. You know, KD was talking on the album of the year is that uh, I love Mimi Kev, the is his favorite Ka song. Yeah. It's like the last song. On- <sighs> right like if you have super personal shit to say usually it's like eight nine ten eleven yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah and my other one on that realm is like um it's busted a coming Ooh. like do my thing through to me like still shining like tracks two through ten <laughs> like that was like hey it's 1996 here's every possible way a human could rap on a beat in this year like the history of rap up until now this is what could be done eight songs straight boom 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 boom, boom. you know what i mean like bringing in dilla bringing in you know easy moby abandoned ship everything remains raw woo-ha it's a party with john a ill vibe with tip flip mode meets death squad where red man steals a show like still sh- like it's just that run is like that kind of epitomized Busta's career. Like I can do these chunks where I just flex every technical piece on you mm-hmm. and make it really memorable or fucking crazy. Right. No, it was, you know, I, I was thinking about like sequencing. And one of the things re-listening to all these albums taught me is it's not really about pitching a perfect game. Right. No. It's, if you can give me eight songs in a row, that are super high level right i'll not forget your name right and that's what you're in this for it like okay you remember we had a conversation where i was like if you score 15 points in the nba i know your name mm. <laughs> I, don't, right. I don't i don't know everybody that averages nine you know right 15, i know you you know good uh, point and that's that's like when you if you can give me eight songs in a row Right. That are like kick ass next level shit. You know, you're you're I'll never forget it. What's the name of a run like that too on um food and liquor? I mean uh the cool with Lupe. Oh he just it 
it's to me, it's such a massive step up from food and liquor, which had like bootlegging issues and then mixtape songs and then newer songs they made. And then like, there was just a lot like that album really needed to be scaled back, but he, it was just so ambitious and he was really trying to, you know, solidify himself and do something new. But like, I mean, he was on the brink of the upper echelon of rapper. He was like considered to be like one of those guys that could be. And this, yeah, because the cool came out in 2007. And I, I remember that he was being talked about as like one of the guys that could potentially be like an all time great. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, you know, the, fr- I- the frustrating thing about the cool to me is like all that bullshit that happened with the label after about like, he's so weird. How do you market him? <laughs> look at, look to at future tracks five through like 11, right? On the cool. On, on the cool? Yes. Super. Yeah, like Superstar was huge. Paris Tokyo. Uh, Paris, Tokyo. Oh my God, oh, dude. Hip Hop Saved My Life. Gold Watch. Yeah, streets on fire. Gotta Eat. Dumb It Down. Come on. It's you could like the shit sells itself, man. Like you can't you can't sell streets on fire. Like dude, my, my my neighbor who all she did was like take care of her kids, bring them to school, give people rides, like work through her lunch break. You know what her fucking ringtone was? What? Superstar by Lupe Fiasco. <laughs> she wasn't fucking with no kick push and all that other shit. She he heard Superstar. She's like, that's the ringtone. He wasn't underground. He wasn't sitting no. there like, you know, dirtying up his shit. He was ready for the stage. Like, uh, this is weird. But uh, he was too future, bro. He was too way too early. Right. He was way yeah. too early doing that shit. Like he was too conceptual like but people like loved this like people and kids loved lupe it's the yeah. same way like if you were like 12 and kind of a dork in 1990 and you see native tongues you're like oh my, oh my god this is me holy shit that's me i felt that way when college dropout hit i was like this is me the first dude who's like i work retail and i stole i'm like me too <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine Lupe feels like, you know, like I, I have some friends that I where I've been like, so what happened with you and you and her? And he was like, uh, you know, she married a guy who looks just like me. Uh, and like, Yo, I've, I've been like that. It's happened to me, dog. That's probably how Lupe <laughs> feels about a lot of shit. Like that when when you know he sees a new J Cole video, he's like, mm, yeah. <sighs> Yo, he. He crawled so Jay Jay Cole could fly <laughs> straight up, dude. And I, I, there's a couple Jay Cole Jones I really like songs, but he's not fucking with Lupe, dude. Never. It's uh, it's wild, man. So I mean, it sequencing can really change the trajectory of your career uh, because <laughs> if you're good at it regularly, people will just buy it when you drop the pre-order. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're just like, I believe you. Let's go. You know? You know, you know, it's funny. You said you were talking with Prem, and which was a phenomenal. That's like one of the definitive Prem interviews ever. Um you were talking to Prem, oh no doubt. You were talking to Prem about on Vegas Vic for like two minutes, it becomes like a Prem album. You know what I mean? Where he closes Vetiver, he raps for like two and a half minutes, and then he opens Yiddish Pimps, right? And at no point was I arranging the album did that occur to me. That it was just going to be like, like a detour into a prem rock album, right? Because I was just like, well, we have this really long song with 
a small pro beat switches up and we're talking about women in different stages of me and Alex and Prem's world. And I was like, man, this is a heavy song. There's a lot of layers. Like, and then I was like, what, what would be really dope coming off of this? Me and Prem rapping. That'd be cool. Like it never occurred to me, like from the listener only like, Oh, it's a lot of Prem rock in a row. I'm like, how do we go from this really hearty moody song to, okay. Back to the album. I was like, oh, Yiddish pimps. We'll just put it in right here. Are you guys cool with it? They're like, yeah, I'm like, okay, boom, done. And it wasn't until you talked to him where I was like, oh, shit. Like, he really just has like a three, four minute run where it's his record. You know? Oh, I just remember like looking at the track listing. I'm like, I'm like, oh, Prem's on a lot of songs, but I didn't think about how it plays out. You know what I mean? I know, I had no idea. And that's what, that's what spurns the coach thing because you're just like, <laughs> Fuck it. It's the right move. Let's do it. I don't care. <laughs> you know, let's win this game and, and we'll talk about it later. Right. Uh, oh, and yeah. the other thing I always say too, I probably said to you guys before about like how your album closer should work as an album opener. That's a good rule of sequencing. Mm. You know, like if, if you play the album in reverse, it should make sense. Wow. Okay. So like it was written. Let's try that. It was written. It ends with "If I Ruled the World." It's the last song. If you open what it was written, and then you end with the message, and you the last song is "A Thug Changes and Love Changes and Best Friends Become Strangers." Word up! I know I steal up, and he's doing cuts from Illmatic. It's like at the end of the album, he's like, "Yeah, I still fuck with Illmatic. You fuck with it too, right?" Versus opening with that and then ending with the big hit single about "If I Ruled the World." Like you should be able to play the album in reverse and it still makes sense. Wow, that's beautiful. No, that's, even great, like, um, that's a great idea. Because <laughs> I've done that with like, who's that? I forget whose album it was. It was somebody I was working with and they sent me the arrangement and I just sent it back to them the, the exact reversed order. I was like, I think it's this. I was like, I think it works better this way. And they were like, what? And I was like, trust me, just make two playlists. Put it the first way and then just put it backwards. And they were like, it's kind of cool. I was like, yeah, it, that's pretty, it's pretty fun, right? Because if you're thinking about the closer, the closer should have like an, an emotional payoff, like right. something, right. okay, here it is. I've talked about all these things. Here it is once again. Here's me and all the shit I've been through and whatever's going on. Um, like on what's the name? Like, uh, like to me, like the life of Pablo, like ultralight beam is a closer. You can't oh. open with that song. It doesn't even make sense to open with that song. Like, why would you open with Ultralight Beam? Like, you that is like the emotions, the choir, and it goes back to. He kept saying, "Oh, it's a gospel album." I'm like, every song's about like bitches and assholes and models and <laughs> champagne. Like, no, it's not. It's not a gospel album. But at the end, it's a gospel album where he's like, "I'm trying so hard to let go of vanity and sex." And material things and i fail but at the end i go back to church see that's all you know, and, beam. and that's why i like the sequencing because yeah. because i don't think father stretch my hands wouldn't have hit as hard if ultralight beam wasn't in front of it mm. well so the it's, arrangement it's, i did okay let's hear this i open with i love kanye i miss the old kanye straight from the soul <laughs> kanye and then he says, you know, I, I, you know, I love you like Kanye, love Kanye. Second track, famous. Bang, 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 
And then third song, Father Stretched My Hands One. Beautiful morning. Beautiful morning. You know what I mean? And then Father Stretched My Hands Two comes after. So it's like, but then I but I put Ultralight Beam last. I'm like, this is the last song, bro. You can't start with Ultralight Beam. But that's how that, but that's why it's so good. He opens with it, I close with it when I arrange right. it. That that brings up an interesting point. So aside <laughs> from Life of Pablo, what is a song like for both of you? What is the album that you think could have been a hip hop classic if it was arranged, if it would have been arranged better? This is a good one. Like all the songs were there for it to be, you know, a monumental oh. piece of work. It just okay. wasn't arranged correctly. I have an answer. Go ahead, Dan. I so my answer is going to be mean, right? It would be like, um, you know, when somebody was asking like, who's the worst quarterback of all time, and I was like, <laughs> just say New York Jets. Isn't that good enough? So <laughs> say Chicago Bears. My Chicago Bears, the worst. <laughs> but like, so I guess you know. What hip hop album would have been a classic if it was arranged better? I'm just gonna say Talib Kweli. <laughs> just say, can I just say Talib Kweli? Like, pull up Eardrum for a second. Ah, there was yo, that single was crazy. Eardrum, listen, listen is so great. Oh, that song's so much amazing. Great shit on there from High Tech to Pete Rock to Will I Am, Kanye, but like it's 23 songs. Come on, bro. Dude. And there's Timberlake on there. Stop. There's Sizzla on there. Like, get this shit out of here, dude. Cut yeah. it. Down. Nora Jones. Why are you listening to Nora Jones and Tony <laughs> What is happening? He was just like really excited to work with as many people as he could. Budget. He got the Warner Brothers budget. So yeah, wow. it down. It's a stupendous. Up. He's got so many like that. He's got. So like that. Wow. Yep. Um, that's a good call. Mine is uh, Run the Jewels three. Run the Jewels three. Okay. Run the Jewels three is like very odd. It is. It is odd because like it. it's 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 kind of like how when you, sometimes you'll look back at like a me me and my 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 one employee do this all the time. We'll look at like historical baseball stats, basketball stats. Like you look at these people where you'll be like, all right, Amari Stoudemire was on the upswing. He was averaging 16 points, then 18 points, then 22 points. Then he gets hurt, 20 points, 26 points. Then it's like 20 points, 19, 10, 11. You know, like you watch to, just to see that same thing with batting average and all that. Would run the jewels. It was like the ascent of cancer for cure and rap music. And then, Run the Jewels one, and then like, holy shit, this is doing really well. Then like, run the Jewels two, and that coincides with Ferguson and fucking Zach Taylor wrote. Then it's like, oh my god, and like, this is the year they go from like twenty six points a game and like nineteen points a game. Like, run the Jewels three, where it's like, okay, now we're strategizing for you, or maybe you had an injury, or I don't know. But I think run the Jewels three was like them trying to be serious. And be more conceptual and heavy. Um, and I think it was like when that came out. Yeah, it came out like right after the election. So that came out Christmas Eve. December, 20, uh, December 24th, 2016. Yeah. And I remember seeing them live when that came out. And like, really, I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking like, well, maybe the show will 
like sell me on this album. And I saw them and I, I seen them a few times when I was like, yeah, okay. Like some of these songs just don't really work, but it was Trump time. Like everyone gets a mulligan for Trump. He fucking broke everyone. So I get it. But I think if you go back to it and apparently there was something about like them up until the last minute going back and forth with opening the album with the song down featuring joy. who's down with, um, you know, dungeon family. Like that's just like a very, strange opener and then you saw like on run the jewels four they were like fuck it yankee and the braves the opener which like one of the best openers of all time so they kind of like figured out like oh they're gonna okay you know i'm not scoring 19 points again i'm gonna go back to 27 points a game so i think like if you go back in that record you know it's 14 songs like well it's so 51 minutes long it's a lot the jewels three 39 minutes long for two Right. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Like, so it's an extra 12 minutes. That's like an extra three, four songs. You know yep. what I mean? Yep. But then we're on the Jewels Ford, like ooh la la. You know what I mean? We're back on that shit, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, I would say that the the real the weird part about Run the Jewels three is that it has it has some of my favorites, man. You got like legend oh, yeah. Panther Crazy. like a Panther. Oh my, That's my god. Shit. Like there's so many great songs on there ticketron that's my shit Ooh, hey kids Bumaye with yeah like if you really did cut it down and organize it it could have been fun as yeah well. it could have been great i think i'm gonna i'm gonna do that over the break i'm gonna rearrange it officially i've never sat and rearranged it like i did with pablo yeah. but um i i think it has a chance i i think they knew they kind of kind of missed it a little bit but again like individual songs are crazy on this album you know what i mean but then yeah, even like the, what was the um the dj shadow song that's been like in every fucking cadillac commercial i'm like you you can't let him walk out the door at that song you can't be like oh that that, that goes in your album no i'm like no no no, no. that that goes on run the jewels three buddy right that's the single now, I wonder if it like, because modern albums now are like 30 minutes, right? Right. If you put this thing way down to like 30 minutes, what, could, could you, how good could you get it? Like, yeah. I, I, yeah. I like, I remember when Run the Jewels 4 hit this, I think it was the same day as Arm and Hammer Shrines. Yeah, right? it was. And yes. I, and I remember saying to Castro, it was like, Shrines is like a new, it's like a new black hole elucid in, in Woods walkthrough. Where they're like, oh, like we're outdoors. There's like melody and like singers and like things are lighthearted. There's like a flute once in a while, maybe. Like these are new things we've never really done. Whereas Run the Jewel 4 is like a Run the Jewels album. Now part four. Here it is again. More Run the Jewels. You like the last couple? Here it is again. And I'm like, they're very, very different experiences. You know what I mean? We're Run the Jewels, like we're just going to do the shit you like. Here it is. Versus Arm and Hammer being like, wouldn't it be cool to take a walk and like look at grass? <laughs> like it's yeah. like it's not like here's paraffin again, here's paraffin again, here's paraffin again. You know, it was natural. It was naturally suited to like pit the albums against each other. Right. And what a lot of people did, what a lot of critics did, was like they they did the whole New York Mets thing of like actually shrine. They, Armand right. Hammer is the best and. Right. You, know, you guys are over there listening to your run the jewels like exactly 
became that environment and that that was part of the part of the come up of Armand Hammer was right. like snobby reviewers being done with Run the Jewels. Like, right, but it was like a crazy Run the Jewels album. Like it's fucking insane. Really good. It's really, really <laughs> good. Yeah, totally. Like having a song with Mavis Staples and Josh Homme is that's quite an achievement. Right. Yeah. Both of the both of the albums are great. Right. Just different. Yeah. Very different. Funny. But yeah, they pit them against each other. The sequencing is uh I don't know, it's it's interesting. It's always interesting to watch, but like so, run the so Cypress Hill three is interesting to me because there's just no friggin' single on it. Like Illusions was the single. Oh man, what a great song! It's insane. There's it is so spooky, low tempo. Like Kate, this is the only rap album I've ever heard where someone kills someone and then goes on the public bus. <laughs> what That's an a good incredible one. album. So. But it's 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 incredibly ominous. Such a oh, it's a mood, man. Ominous. And but there isn't any clear like banger single. Anything. No. But it's so cohesive, so together and, and unique that uh, I I think it's their biggest achievement because and the first album, the first Cypress album, is the most fun rap album about murder of all time. Oh, it's, they love it. But and singles all over the place. You can make mm-hmm. any of those singles, right? They're glorious, uh, and, and a lot of them work. But three is just so, just it's it's beautifully dead inside. It's such a great album. Yeah, it's like I was saying about like four, four, four. Like Mugs wasn't like, all right, how do we make something bigger than Insane in the Membrane? You can't. It's never gonna happen again. That's light. That's literally yeah. lightning in a bottle. That's not gonna hit. So he's like, all right, what if I just made like 16, 17 fucking great beats in a row? And that's it. We'll just we'll just go with, you know, <laughs> boom, bitty, bye, bye. You know, that's that's the song. Well, illusions. You know, cool. Yeah, it was. I didn't like Cypress Hill. I didn't like uh, the nasally delivery of Be Real. I was just like not into it. And my buddy, I, we, you know, was, this is Maine. We hang out in cold basements. <laughs> you know, whole basements where we can see each other's breath. Uh, <laughs> there's a boom box, and he just puts on boom bitty bye bye, and I'm just like, "What is this?" Boom bitty bye bye. And it was like the be real has such an incredible control over his nasally voice, how he uses it, hooks, uh, mm-hmm. uh, everything just really comes together in terms of of that stuff I, and, and they don't get a lot of historical love I, I tweeted that a couple like maybe a year or two ago where i was like they're the most overlooked fucking amazing top tier rap group ever because everyone's like you know whoa public enemy tribe right. nwa i'm like cypress hill is like right there dude they, they can go sales for sales with most of these people like but they don't have like the press narrative and what, what people don't fully get because like my buddy was like, yeah, Westside Connection got him on that response album though. And I'm like, the problem is that's not how it played out on right. the ground because you have to remember Cypress Hill were like 
the first major Latin act in rap. Like Kid Frost was around, but you know, like Cypress Hill had had deep support, <laughs> deep deep support, um, mm-hmm. and like had diehard people. Uh, when I went in the army in 1999, I would meet people from all over the world who were diehard Cypress Hill, um, diehard. And it was just, they were, they, their albums are kind of more polished than a lot of those other albums. Oh, yeah. Like a lot of the, the classic albums that people love, like they're kind of a mess. Here's a, here's a theory I just thought of as you said this. If Wu Tang would have finished the tour of Rage Against the Machine, they are Cypress Hill. Because that was the crowd that Rizzo was courting. That exact and who was he hanging with? Mugs. He's on he's on that album. He's on Soul Assassins. He's around that shit. He sees like, oh, this white boy energy with like dirty skaters and stoners. And like 20 years ago, these dudes would just like, you know, put on metal and like stare at posters and shit. They're gonna <laughs> fuck with us. Like if we give them like that imagery and that like like mystical weird shit, but it's kind of dangerous and their parents don't want them fucking with it. We can run this, right. and if they would have just finished that tour, I mean, that was theirs forever, and it is now. Like most of their fans are probably white dudes, and it's maybe that's what he was trying to do with a diagram, right? Is like oh, actually I mean, like lean into these rock elements, these kind of prog rock elements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was looking at the track listing for Cypress Hill Three, and of the looks like there's 16 tracks right 15 of them are produced by dj mugs one of them the only one that's not produced by him is produced by rizza yep killer hill yeah and bombs featuring rizza and you god you know what i mean like now the story on that k is that alchemist was working like with mugs at the time and that he was kind of apprenticing under mugs right Mm -hmm. did a bunch of those like beats that they worked together on the Mm-hmm. Oh, um. yeah, yeah. This shit peaked number three, Billboard 200 in '95. Like, but again, no one talks about it like that. You know, the same way they would talk about like NWA. NWA like came and went, dude. In the hist- grand yeah. scheme of history, they came and went. Yeah. Mm. Cypress Hill has been twenty, almost thirty years now, it's solid. Yep. Yeah. yeah. No problems. No, it's a bunch of those. I, I would say a bunch of those groups, man, have super interesting runs. Mm-hmm. In, especially when you talk about um, when you talk about sequencing, far side, diggable planets, uh, just really interesting dynamics and the flow of song to song is is worth studying. Uh, so I would say check that out. Mm-hmm. AK, any final thoughts on sequencing? No, I mean, I, I, I think this talk really enlightens me to, you know, you know, making an album, there's an art to it. There's a science behind it. It's not just throwing songs, you know, going in the studio, like catching a vibe or, or catching a wave and just creating songs and that vibe. You really have to have someone who has vision and is able to organize organize uh the songs into like a cohesive vision Hmm. 
So that, I mean, that's what I, that's what yeah. I'm leaving with the takeaway I'm leaving with. Yeah, man. Totally. Zilla, what do you see? Any sequencing last thoughts? Uh, um, uh, one thing I just want to point out is like, uh, on a cannibal ox, like on the cold vein, Ooh, right? Yeah. They open with <laughs> Iron Galaxy, which is like Crazy. probably the most Def Joke song of all time. Iron, like that album, like defines the label forever, um, which is phenomenal, right? And then you have like weird songs, like in the middle, like Raspberry Fields and like uh, like Real Earth, really weird, Ridiculoid with LP, Painkiller. But you, when you get to the end of the album, though, right? I just want to point this out. And I remember like asking Alaska about this early on. When we started doing the podcast. We started talking about this album, like pigeon is track 14, which is like one of the most sad, heartbreaking songs ever. Yes. And it's just about basically like growing up poor as fuck. It's like, here is a life of poverty. This is all I know. This is it. But yeah. we're still surviving like pigeons, even though we're filthy and disgusting and like living off pizza crust. Right? right so you call track 14 pigeon you close the album with a song called scream phoenix which is like yo we did all that shit like it's never gonna stop like that album to me sounds like 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 a light coming through the stained glass on a church and like these dudes kicking in the door and walking in a church or something but by calling it like phoenix and track 14 is pigeon Right. Like one bird symbolizes like filth. Another symbolizes like colors, you know what I mean? Like explosion. And like, and so when I asked Alaska, like, why the fuck did they call it Phoenix? He's like, oh, that's just like how they talked. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When when you you see me, you need a bottle. You better scream Phoenix. I'm like, what? I thought it was like this incredible playoff of, okay, the saddest song we've ever made is called Pigeon. We can't end the album on that. We got to end it on some. What's the opposite of pigeon? A fucking phoenix. All right, let's do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, no, just, it was just yeah, it was just these marvelous New York <laughs> insane people like like Ray and Ghost were who could just, yeah, just totally insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just want to point. I just love that where it okay. goes back to your thing, K. Diggy. Like, is it how much is how much is intended? With the plan, <laughs> plot, and theme in mind, and, and other parts is like, yeah, I just I don't know, just fucking put it on there. That's, that's, that works for me. Okay, there you go, Phoenix. That's awesome. No, I'm with it, man. I was gonna say with my recommendation, I'll give two. I'll go John Morrison. Uh, shout this out. He, uh, Queen Adelphia by Queen Joe. Hmm. It's uh, seven songs. It's it's super hyped. It's an EP, but it seems long enough to be an album. It's not short, short song. Um, and they go, man. It's it, they're fun as shit. Man, uh, uh, you know, drawn on a Monday, bangs. Like that shit is great. Um, yeah, I'm I'm into it, and um, always always checking the Philly, they, especially. It kind of got me to build like a Women of Philadelphia playlist. Woo! And it was amazing. To go through it. So yeah. But you better put nonchalant on there, dog. I had and I shout out to Ivy Soul. I had Ivy Soul on that. Ooh. Uh, so the other one, Blood Money Mims. Uh, oh, word. Blood Money <laughs> and Mitosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of slept on this album when it came out. Uh, I love Blood Money. 
uh, just to Ralph back back burner that and uh, we were sitting talking about it and he was talking about how Mims was just throwing him stuff like can you sample this Weezer song and he's like yeah whatever you know he's just like throwing in like whatever uh, and it's amazing it's such a cool organic thing uh, and a partnership that, that really sets off the strengths of each person uh, yeah. so that's I'm always excited for that nice yep so any uh any recommendations k diggy you got you got people you got things um no i mean i'm just waiting for uh i just found out pilot talk four is coming out from currency on uh ski beats yes i'm in i'm all in better be ski you have to have ski beats one of the yeah that's coming out friday christmas eve so that's all i'm looking forward to i'm with you thank you i am and that cover is beautiful mm-hmm. that is a beautiful it. cover for pilot duck four i am excited for it uh because currency has you know has been running in circles for a little bit mm-hmm. he's been you know i don't know there has he used to have a real delineation mixtape currency versus album currency oh yeah and i feel like he kind of went off road after Canal Street Confidential, which is to me, that's the last great currency album. Yeah, that one's wild. Yeah. It's a great project. I love that album. Uh, yeah, man. Um, I've just been fucking with that show Yellow Jacket so hard and just ooh. hearing them play 90s women rock. Yep. Just listening to Hole and fucking Liz Fair. And I just been, if people follow me on IG, I've been really in my PJ Harvey bag. Just Oh. Someone I just know. Ne- I was always intimidated. And I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't have like someone cool tell me to listen to her. So I just been listening to all PJ Harvey. Holy shit! It's been a it's been a wild ride to discover this. You know, 25, 30 oh. years after it came out, and being like, whoa, and hearing just how many people stole from her. Yep. It's 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 been phenomenal. So yeah, I I, I recommend the show a lot, and then the soundtrack and all of that shit. It's just like a good break from rap. Like, what's the opposite of rap? Like. 90s female grunge Come in. <laughs> yeah no i was you know i've always been in love with pj harvey so i'm, I'm always into that nice. uh, but yeah that's that's cool and shout out to you i think another thing that defined your year zilla was was you really went to the next level on hooks oh thanks uh, man on both projects and i think that comes from how antagonistic you are in terms <laughs> of just disliking the the two minute bar out session hate it oh (laughs) fuck off just like uh you were just like fuck all that like um and that's one of the reasons honestly that that open mike eagle is one of my favorite rappers in the world he's always working on his bridges and his choruses yeah his verses he's always a real artist you know crazy idea be a real fucking artist like It shouldn't be just the breeze to make eight songs. I don't give a fuck who you are. It's a breeze to make eight songs when you don't make any choruses or concepts or fucking have any musicality. Anybody could do that shit. Like it's not. And it was cool the first year or two of it happening, but now I'm like, huh? You know, it's stupid. Anyway, check this Andrew album. We're gonna drop beginning of next year. Okay. I leaned into this, and this whole album is hooks singing funny shit heavy shit personal shit it's called don't wait till the oh uh, no this one's called um 
the rain knows what it's doing. We, we had to change the title around. Um, so solo Andrew, no one on it, just totally him. We arranged it together. Speaking of arrangements, um, and then he and I got a joint album called "Don't Wait Till I Leave" that'll come out next spring, all with me. So uh, I was I, I, I put my money up where I was. I was like, yo, I'm not gonna just talk about it. I'm gonna put that shit out where it's some shit you could play in a car with the kids and with your dad. You know, maybe not all of you guys might turn the volume down a couple parts when he curses. But, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's I, not I just bang that in the car. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not just you know yeah. fake alchemist beats with a dude rapping for two minutes, and then the next song, and then fucking tarot card album cover. Man, get out of here. And I was, no. and I would say, um, in closing, thank you so much to everyone who's been checking the year-end list. Uh, for Gang for putting so many hours of his time. <laughs> just yeah. a gang. Uh, between the mid-year uh, and the end of year, and really just going into it, I mean, I I can't I can't thank everybody enough. And people's reactions, very excited uh, about it, and I think it's I, I, people should make their lists, right? In terms of because it's kind of declaring who you are at mm. institutional site, right? What do you actually value, right? Uh, and you know, put your money where your mouth is, put your list, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it, it's cool to sit down and be like, you know what? I like this. I like this. It's a loose discussion, but you know, give, give the people a buying guy, you know, buy this shit. So I'm proud of it. And I'm proud of uh, the year we've had where more views than you can imagine and uh, great stuff coming. So uh, keep checking it. Keep checking. Call out culture. Three dollar pistol, wrecking crew. Yeah, yep. Buy the buy the merch. Zilla has a beautiful adherence to high standards of hats. It's true. I, I, I've <laughs> spent about twenty thousand dollars my life on hats, so it's important to me. Five panel hats. <laughs> So are you strong enough to eat that and keep it moving? All the homies cast me aside of steady losing. Dame taught me if you put your name on something, it should be expensive. So all that free shit, I get it in. And bring the camera when you're making the news. And pass the plug and let your people shine greater than you. Hey yo, Dame's ass taught me your 